You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. All right, God's help comes to us, to you and to me today. And uh, so as we, as we take a look at how he came to help uh, a, uh, a number of lepers, I want to start by asking the question, have you ever been told to do something or asked to do something but, but knew that the person who asked you to do that thing actually wanted you to do something else? All right, that's maybe a really confusing question. Let me put it this way. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, perhaps your spouse, and it's coming up on an anniversary, and as you're having this conversation with your spouse, something like this comes out and you say, oh honey, are you here? Oh honey, you know what, this, this year for our anniversary, let's not get each other presents. Your presence with me is enough of a present. And now you know you have a decision to make. Right, do you do, you do what they say? Or maybe what they say, does it mean something different? Now, now for some of you, that's exactly what they want, right? For some of you, as you get near your anniversary, your spouse just wants a day to spend some time with you. But for others, you know that you darn well better have a present, right? Right, and so how do you know what to do? How do you know if you show up and spend the day with your spouse, or how do you know if, if you're supposed to buy him a present, well, you need to know your spouse, right? You need to know what they mean because it's not necessarily the words that are coming out of their mouths, but it's what they mean and what they desire. And so as we, as we come into our text from Luke chapter, chapter 17, we actually get this really interesting conversation, this interesting scene from Jesus as he's walking on his way to Jerusalem. Now, what happens in Jerusalem a little while later in Jesus' life? Right, Jerusalem is where he is arrested and, and where he's eventually killed. And so this is like the third time that as Jesus is traveling, this is the third time that Luke mentions that he is on his way to Jerusalem. And this is the last time that Luke will mention that until he gets to Jerusalem and rides in on a donkey. But, but as Jesus and the disciples, as they're on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now why does Jesus tell these these lepers to go and show themselves to the priests? Well, if you, uh, and I'm sure all of you had because it's everyone's favorite book of the Bible, if you've read Leviticus, you understand why Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priests, because it was the priests who would, who would determine whether or not a person was clean or unclean, the priest who could tell the person whether or not they could go back into society or whether they still needed to be isolated from society. Uh, we read about it in, Le- er, in Leviticus chapter 13 where the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to the Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And then the priest will examine, not the doctor, the priest will examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if it's 
leprosy, the priest, uh, when the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot doesn't really look like leprosy, the priest shall shut him up, uh, up, up that person for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest will examine him again. And if it hasn't spread, it's not leprosy. The priest will shut him up for another seven days. And then the priest will examine him again on the seventh day. And if it still doesn't look like leprosy, the priest shall pronounce him clean. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Right, so, so Jesus is telling these lepers, hey, you fall under this category from Leviticus chapter 13, so what I need you to do is I need you to go and show yourselves to the priests so that they can pronounce you clean or unclean. So we get back to our story. So when, when Jesus saw the lepers, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. But as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them One of those ten lepers, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now this one, this one that returned was a Samaritan. But Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? What happened to the other nine? Well, if you remember Leviticus 13, I'm pretty confident, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm pretty confident that the other nine just wanted to get back to the way things were. They have been outcasts. They've been set aside from society. They've been outside of society. They've been in isolation since the beginning of this disease. And depending on how all this works, it looks like they might have two more weeks, even if they're clean, they might have two more weeks of isolation before they can get back into society, before they can go back home to be with their families, before they can get back into their job. And so, Maybe some of you know what two weeks of isolation is like and how quickly you want to get that process started so that you can get back to the way things used to be, get back to the way things were. So nine of them probably just wanted to return to the way things were and they were following the Levitical law. But there's one who realized that this guy, Jesus, who had sent them on their way, that there was something special about him. And what he realized, and it's actually an incredible statement of faith, what he realized is that that God's presence was no longer confined to the temple space, but he had just been in God's presence as he was near Jesus. And so there's one of those lepers who's made new. One of those lepers who, after being in the presence of God, was made new and and so how does he respond? Not by going back to the temple so that the priests could, could, could pronounce him clean. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus. That is a, a posture of worship, to fall on your face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. So my question, as we consider these lepers, as we consider what Jesus has done for them is, which of the lepers are you more like? Are are you like the nine? Or are you like the one? Right, the nine were following the rules. The nine were doing what they were supposed to do, but the one was following the ruler as he returned to Jesus. So, So are you following the rules? Or are you following the ruler? This book right here, 
the Bible, right? It's very easy to read this book and to see it as a list of rules, to see it as a list of do this, don't do that, to see it as a moral guidebook. But the Bible is not a rule book. The Bible is not a moral guidebook. The Bible is not a a step-by-step to-do list. I'll be honest, it would be much easier if it were. It would be much easier for me if it were, right? It would be really easy for me to tell you, you need to serve because your salvation is dependent on that. You need to serve here in this place. You need to serve out in the community because that's how you earn your salvation. It would be much easier for me to tell you that, that you need to be in worship because your faith is dependent on that. And if you're not, you're out. It would be much easier for me to say, the only way you're getting into heaven is if you tithe. That would be a lot easier to do because I could just stand up here and every week we could talk about a new rule that you need to do to earn your salvation. That would be really easy for me. But that's not what this is. This is God's Word that's a story of His love for you. A true story, but a story of His love for you that began before time began before existence when there was nothing except for a triune God who wanted to be in relationship. And so, uh, but simply by speaking, He created. He created the heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day, He wanted to get really personal. And so, so He gets into the dust with His hands, and He creates male, and then out of, out of that man, He creates a woman. But He does something special with those that He hasn't done with anything else in creation. He, he breathes his spirit, his breath into them. He creates them in his image. And he encourages them to rule and to care for the creation that he's given to them. And he gives them some guidelines. But Adam and Eve, they'd, they'd rather do things their own way. And so they listen to the deceiver and they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one that they were told not to. And immediately, This perfect creation is broken. Sin enters this world, but also immediately God begins His plan of redemption for all of His people. Right? From the the very first curse that God gives out is to the serpent, and it's a promise that that serpent will be defeated ultimately one day. And so as we read throughout the New Testament, or the Old Testament, we see what, again, what could look like a bunch of rules, But actually what we see is a faithful God who continues to be faithful even when His people are faithless. And eventually this God is so faithful that He sends His Son into this world to be born a humble birth as a baby. And that Son lives a a perfect life that you and I are not able to live. He lives a a clean life. And then he, He begins His ministry where He teaches Not only does he teach, but he heals. He heals the sick. He heals the blind. He gives sight to the blind, which has never been done before. And then he raises from the dead. But the religious leaders don't like that, and they want want to get rid of him because he's not following the rules. He's doing stuff on the Sabbath that he shouldn't be doing, and so they want to kill him. And they eventually do. As Jesus travels into Jerusalem, they hang him on a cross. And even as he's hanging there, 
he looks out on those people who placed him on that cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And a few moments later, he breathes out his last and he gives up his spirit and Satan thinks he's won. But three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. Jesus defeats death, and we get to see exactly what that looks like. And then as the rest of the New Testament goes, we get to see what it looked like for that good news to spread into all the nations. That good news continues to spread today. That good news is not that there are a bunch of rules that you need to follow to be saved. That's not the good news. The good news is that you have a loving God who loves you and cares for you, and He is the one who gives you new life. It is, it is Jesus. It is not the rules that gives life. And this is, for me, why I have such a great joy of being Lutheran. Because as Lutherans, we ask the question, what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done for me? What has Jesus done for my family, my community, my world? What has Jesus done rather than what do I need to do? When I was growing up, I was probably more like those nine lepers, needing to, to do the right thing, needing to do enough. I was always concerned about whether or not I had done enough. Had I, had, am I worthy of this forgiveness that the pastor keeps telling me I've got, but, but am I good enough for it? And then I went to college, and I met a pretty lady. She's there. Um, but she invited me to church one day, and I went with her, and I liked it, and I kept going back. And then I started spending time with the pastor, asking, you know, what does it mean to be Lutheran? And I remember walking out of his office one day going, uh, with, with, with a huge weight that had been lifted off my shoulders. Because again, I had spent my entire life trying to be good enough to deserve forgiveness. But what I realized in that office and what I realized as I was walking out is, is that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about was I good enough. It's that Jesus was and is. And so I finally walked out of, an, out of that office feeling for the first time in my life forgiven. Because Jesus had declared it about me. And that's what he declares about you. He says, I make you clean. Right, as we come to him, you know, the lepers came and they said, Master, have mercy on us, save us. And Jesus cleanses them. Right, we are those lepers. We are in need of cleansing, and Jesus does it for you and for me. And so the question is then, how do you respond? Well, how did the leper respond? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And we jump forward a little bit, and Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith, the faith that I have given to you, your faith has made you well. I try not to comment on translations because there are a lot of really, really, really smart people who make a lot of really, really hard decisions when it comes to translations, but I really don't like the way that it says rise and go your way. 
uh, because as I was doing a lot of research, as I was looking at the Concordia commentary especially, um, go your way, that Greek word there is actually the word journey. And what did we start out this section with in Luke 17 verse 11? Jesus on a journey to Jerusalem. And so what I, what, what, what I will say that Jesus is actually saying here, not rise, because it, it could very much read, rise and go back to doing whatever you want to do. But what Jesus is saying is rise and journey. It's an invitation to journey with him to Jerusalem, to journey with him to see what Jesus is going to do for this Samaritan, for you, for me in Jerusalem on the cross to make you clean, to make the Samaritan clean, not just in his body, but in his soul, both made clean. This is not a a to-do list. This is not a, a set of rules. This is a response that we have after loving and gracious God has made us clean. Now, now, maybe, now maybe you've had an experience like mine where you kind of actually like remember this happening. Or maybe when you were a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple months, a couple years old, your parents brought you to the waters of baptism and you were made clean. And so you've just always grown up knowing this. So the question is not, what do I do to earn it, but how do I respond from God's goodness? And I, I, I think we, we look at the leper, right? He turned back, praising God with a loud voice, right? Letting everyone else around him know that, that God has made him clean. And he fell on his face. He worshiped Jesus, giving him thanks. Giving him thanks for his goodness, giving him thanks for his love, and giving him thanks ultimately for making him clean. And what does Jesus say to him? Rise and journey. Your faith has made you well. My prayer for you this week is that as you journey, that that journey would be with Jesus. Not to, not to earn anything, not to even prove anything, but because of God's great love for you, because He makes you clean, that we can return, we can turn back, repent of those sinful ways, the repent of our uncleanness, turn back to God, return to Him, fall at His feet, and give Him thanks. And that as He sees that, He would return and say, rise and journey with me, because I go with you. Your faith, the faith that the Spirit has given you through the waters of baptism, through the hearing of His Word, your faith that I give to you has made you well. Again, I pray that this week as you journey with Jesus, that you would respond out of the great goodness of God's love and that you would journey with him as the faith that he gives to you makes you well, makes you clean each and every day. Amen? Amen.